I'll start again. It's okay. No worries. Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars now for about a year and a half, and I keep finding really interesting guests. So as long as I keep finding guests that are willing to come on the show, we're going to keep this rolling. I've got some great guests lined up for this week. I've got Sarah Hunt coming back with tips on boot fitting. Sarah Schlote coming back to talk about more about um, the nervous system and vagal nerve and how I feel safe and all that with Equisoma. Um, and then I'm going to be broadcasting from Misty Meadows. So stay tuned for this week. We got great shows coming up. Today, my guest is Megan Hansley, and she works with donkeys and mules. And so this is our first webinar specifically about donkeys and mules. And I'm really excited because while I've worked with a few, I haven't worked with a lot. So I'm really interested to learn about hoof care and their personality and everything. So welcome, Megan. Thank you so much for joining me today. Ah, uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. This will be fun. So Megan, give us a little bit of your back. Like, how did you wind up working with donkeys and mules specifically? So uh, back in 2006, I took an apprenticeship with a local farrier. I had dreams of being a packer out in the wilderness um, on the trail crews, taking supplies in because I had been on a trail crew and I had applied for a job and they said, listen, this is great, but you got to have some hoof care experience. And that led me, inspired me to search out an apprenticeship to you know, learn about hoof care. And I got really lucky. I landed with a local farrier who was amazing and he happened to love donkeys and mules. And I didn't know at that time how pivotal or just how important that that was, but it would all unfold as the years go by. And he told me, he said, Megan, donkeys need farriers that are going to be good to them and understand them and are willing to work with them and work with their owners to help them help their donkeys. And that really stuck with me. And we went to this place, Saddlepaw Miniatures, where this, uh, she's still a client of mine for uh, 16 years later. Um, she had a ton of miniature donkeys. They were so cute. If you haven't seen a baby donkey, I'd, like you guys, they're amazing. They just like blow you away. And so I was like instantly in love. I had boom, head over heels for donkeys. And then I continued working on that apprenticeship, trimming with him for a year. And then I went to horseshoeing school. I'm a graduate of um, Pacific Coast Horseshoeing School. And uh, instead of taking the Packer job, he was moving, leaving the area. And he said, do you want my business? And I said, yes. And so that is how I ended up staying a farrier and not going to the mountains. So then fast forward to the years, what he said rang totally true. I was continually coming across donkeys that other farriers didn't want to work with, or they were being naughty, difficult. You'll hear that a lot in the fairy world that donkeys are bad, difficult, naughty. And I would go and I would work with them and make relationships with them and trim them no problem. And I just continued to do that. And I got known in my area as the girl who would work with the donkeys. And so I've been doing that, like I say, it's 16 years this year and about three years ago. So two years, just about two years before COVID, I decided I wanted to travel and I was going to go help other donkeys. And I coined myself the donkey farrier while having a cocktail on the back porch. And then I threw it out on the internet and everybody was like, yeah, come here, come here. I ended up traveling all of California, went all over, worked with a bunch of donkeys, fell even more in love with them, if that's even possible. And then um, was really having a blast doing that. And then COVID hit. 
and my travels came to a stop. I became a caretaker for an elderly lady. And then that spurred me to create my first online course last year, uh, donkey hoof trimming up for owners. And that's kind of where I'm at now. So <laughs> have you always been in love with horses? Uh, yeah, I actually have. I used to sit at the table and go through the classifieds ads, you know, back when they were on an actual newspaper <laughs> yeah. and, uh, tell my mom, oh, lessons, lessons. And I feel so bad now though, because my mom was a single mom and I was just never shut up about a horse. And now I know how incredibly expensive (laughs) everything that they are, but she helped me take some lessons. And then I got a job working for a polo uh, lady and I took lessons and was her groom for three years. And I, so my background is English writing and um, I don't ride much now. I could, but I don't much. And, uh, but yes, head over heels, love with, love with horses for a long time. So, all right. So tell us a bit about donkeys and, and mules, obviously, as, as a, a subspecies of equus, right? That's what they are. They're a subspecies of equus. Yeah. I mean, from Miley, we have horses, donkeys, mules, and zebras. Zebras, we're not going to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Except the one thing I'll note about zebras is donkeys are more closely related to a zebra than they are the horse. Oh, that makes all the sense in the world. Because when I go to Africa, they- Right. And I think that that's really important. Sound is so different. People wouldn't recognize it as a a horse species if Mm -mm. if they only- You're talking about the bray, the noise they make? Yeah. Yeah. And that bray actually comes from a different part of their vocal um, system. And the way it comes out of them, it reverberates. Like it, it, it can travel miles across the desert because often in the desert, <clears throat> the male donkeys are solitary and then the ladies kind of group up in little family units. And so they use that, that, that really loud bray travels farther than a whinny. And it, it's a way of they oh, communicate. Wow. And so it comes from a different place <clears throat> in their vocal cords? Yeah, and I don't know the exact uh, science behind it. Um, they're just, they're using a different part and that's what makes it so loud and what, why it carries like it does. And then the poor mule, they get like this. If you ever heard a mule, they don't know what they're doing. Am I winning or am I brain? I, I don't know. And, and they kind of, so mules will have these, just, they're so cute, but you never know what your mule is going to sound like, which is, which is really fun. But so, Equus and they come, they're Equus asinus and they are desert dweller or desert dwellers that hail from the Sudan desert. That's where they originally come from. All donkeys um, genetics originate from the Sudan desert, which is in Africa, right? And um, like I said, they're more closely related to the zebra than they are the horse. And um, they're incredibly different. They're equines but they're so different than horses. Their behaviors are different. Their nutritional needs are different. Um, Their hoof structure, they have all the same um, bones and soft tissue, but it's distributed differently. It's in a different shape. And uh, one of the things that I like for for people to understand the most is because they are the subspecies um, and because their behavior and how they act in the wild is different, it affects who they are and how we approach them and work with them. They're not um, like horses in the sense that, um, you know, they can be very self-aware and they really want to be self-preserving. So they're more, <clears throat> you know, a lot of times horses, once they've kind of been desensitized and been out and about, they can meet new people and they're like, Hey, what's up, dude? Or donkeys will be like, 
that's a stranger. Who's that? What do they want? They're just very discerning, like you mentioned. Like a Vermonter. Like a huh? Vermonter. <laughs> what did you say? A Vermonter. Anybody from Vermont, it's like if you weren't born there, you're not. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. They they just they're kind of just like, what are you, what are you doing? And I make a joke that like when the farrier shows up or the vet shows up, the donkey's like, I don't think I need a farrier. I'm pretty sure I don't need that. Or I definitely don't need a vet. And so they are more prone to want to avoid a new person or a new situation because they're just really not interested in it, um, which then kind of gives them this bad rap that they're stubborn or that they don't want to do certain things. And it's just that they're thinking more in depth about it. They have more of a wall up and um, yeah, they're, but with that being said, they're incredibly intelligent. Horses are smart. And I love horses, but I'm telling you, donkeys are so smart. And that is probably why they struggle sometimes or owners or, you know, even my colleagues might struggle making a breakthrough with the donkey um, is because of their high intelligence um, and how much they're processing a, a given situation. So are they more problem solvers than horses uh, as a group? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe you could say that they're just, they're looking at everything. And it's like, there's a saying we have in the donkey world. It's like, you're not going to tell your donkey to do something. You're going to talk them into it. You're going to be like, Hey kid, this can be fun. Like, you know, come on, let's work together. One of the things that I like to do the most when I'm meeting new donkeys is pique their curiosity. If I can get them to be curious about me and I'll even play a game like, oh, you don't want to talk to me? That's fine. I'll talk to someone else. And then they'll kind of be like, well, wait, I think I, I want to talk to you. You know, uh, they almost remind me of little like younger kids. Like I'm looking for a way to be incredibly playful with them, spark their curiosity, um, <clears throat> help them feel comfortable and confident. I don't go in and do things to them. I go in and do things with them and introduce them to, you know, having their hooves done or different things. And um, I do it with, I don't restrain them. So I don't tie their heads up to posts. I, rare, I rarely work with donkeys tied up unless they're really, really um, have a lot of experience and feel comfortable like that, if that makes sense, which most of the donkeys I meet are not there yet. Somebody says you definitely have to have a sense of humor. Yes, you do. Oh, so who brought that up? Anna. Anna. Anna, you're right. Um, and that was another thing that my mentor said years ago, because we'd meet these donkeys and we'd come to trim them and they weren't having it that day. And you don't want to get in a fight with them. You don't want to forcibly restrain them. Something that happens in our industry as a farrier a lot, which I find really unacceptable is the hog tying and throwing the donkey on the ground and forcing them to have hoof care. And you would be surprised how often it happens. Um, and if I'm in a situation where a donkey really needs hoof care and we're not ready, not safe, then I'm gonna request medical restraint with a veterinarian present, right? And that would be like a sedative or something like that. But back to the humor thing, we would go meet these donkeys and sometimes they wouldn't be ready. And he would pat them on the head and he'd say, well, we can't be mad. They're just a donkey. Let's reschedule, you know, just laugh it off, give them a kiss, tell them. And you know what? The donkeys know. And I've looked at a donkey and told him, listen, you're not ready today. That's okay. Your mom's going to do some homework, but I'm coming back for you. 
okay, <laughs> you know, and they, they will remember me and I can make a breakthrough with them eventually. And so once you make the breakthrough, what it sounds cool. like is that you honor the no. If they the what? Oh, the no. Yes. And this is, you know, I mean, what I love about my guests, because I've never met you before and I had no idea what you're going to talk about, but you are <laughs> totally in line with my, with Sarah Sloty, who's coming on Wednesday, because she wrote this whole article about, you know, training and behavior and giving them the opportunity to say no is okay. And we still get stuck in this idea that they, we have to make them say yes, right? Yes. Or we're going to make them whether or not they say no. But by giving them some autonomy and the ability to say no, they come back for more. They come back for, wait a second, I really wanted yes. You know? That is so, and you know what I, what I do is just kind of real intuitive, but as I've been meeting more professionals like you, doing more interviews like this, I have realized that this is kind of a thing that people are embracing more now, but I never kind of knew it was a thing, but you're right. We are, we're, we're honoring them enough as a sentient being to say, Hey, it's okay. If you're not ready yet. Yeah. You know, unless they're in a state of emergency, then we may have to take measures to help them like for a welfare issue, if their hooves are just terrible or whatever. But other than that, absolutely. But like you I want to give them that chance because it's a necessary thing and we can make it okay by making them you know, a little sleepy, but uh, Anna's saying it goes right along with Surefoot, which Megan doesn't know about Surefoot yet, but she will. Not yet, but um, I'm excited. <laughs> um, because we let them express their opinion. If they don't, they get to choose which pad they stand on. They get to choose how long they stand on it within reason because too long they can make themselves sore. But it's all about providing the horse with a choice and yeah. giving them a voice. And then they tell us, and our job is to observe and listen and facilitate their process. So this goes right along with what you're talking about with donkeys. I think, you know, we horses are, are used to being told what to do. Oh, yeah. So they kind of shut off. Whereas that sounds like donkeys aren't going to go to that, like, freezy spot. No, they won't. It's like, okay, I'll just tolerate this. Whereas horses will. Sometimes a donkey will drop into that state. But if if they get taken there, I feel really, really bad for them because they're shutting down in a way that doesn't build it. There's no confidence building there. There's no choice, like you said. Um, and I love what you just said about listening to them because for years, for years, like it's only in the last three or four years that people have even taken what I say seriously because I've been acting like this for a long time but I just like made fun of in my industry oh it's hippie hook because my name's holistic hooves can be like oh it's hippie hooves she's coming to and, you know and I just powered through I was like no I know what's right and, and you know and with the horses too um giving giving them that choice or like in my industry there'll be horses that are misbehaving and then they're sedating them every time for trims and it turns out they're in pain and I touch them and I go listen I'm not a doctor but something's wrong right here they're telling us this you need to do this or find someone and sure enough they'll come back and they'll be like man Megan my horse was in pain and I was like well that yeah she was trying to tell us and we we had to figure out how to listen so that's really cool that you do that I got off track it's okay <laughs> so, so how did donkeys and mules differ so the donkey is its own species, right? And then the mule is the hybrid. You can take the donkey and breed it to the female horse and get a mule. They're sterile. 
and they're uber smart. Okay. They get super smart. Mules are like, I love mules and they, how to explain how different they are. It's hard for me. Um, maybe, you know, they're just a blend and, um, they can be, if here's one thing I know about mules, if they have a rough experience, I got a really cool story about a mule that took me almost a year to be able to trim his feet coming to see him. He had a horrible experience with this sedation where they tried to pump him up with more sedative, doesn't work. He flipped over. I mean, it was bad, poor guy. And he would just break out in a sweat whenever I'd show up. He'd see me, the farrier, and he'd be like, oh my God, there's a farrier. And he'd start to sweat and he'd go stand at the other end of the paddock. And um, how are they different? I, I really don't know why. So you have Jennies and Jacks, right? You have boys and girls, even though they're sterile? <laughs> Yes. Okay. And, and you'd want to castrate them and they, they are sterile. Rarely, very rarely a female mule will have a baby. And then the other thing that you can do is you can take the donkey as a mother and breed her to a stallion. And that comes out what's called a henny. Um, so you have hennies and mules. Mules are more popular. And if you look at the genetics of both a henny and a mule, you can't tell the difference of who's who unless you know the parents. Oh. So that's pretty cool. But um, man, they're super agile. They're just, they're great riding mounts. They're finally starting to get more recognized in higher sports like dressage and jumping. And, you know, they're, they're really mules neat. Mules can jump. Oh, mules can, mules can jump. Yeah. Mules can do all kinds. Mules can leap from rock to rock. There's these cowboys at like the Bishop mule days and stuff. And they literally ride their mules and they're leaping on rocks. Like, I'm like, look, you go <laughs> like, not something I want to do, I was, but um, I was at the Iowa's uh, horse expo and they had the mule jumping contest. Okay. So they just yeah. have a pole and they walk the mule and they literally walk them up and then he jumps. <laughs> Yeah. There's no prep really. It's walk up, jump and they yeah. keep raising the bar. So, and once you, once you've made a bond with a mule, uh, mules can be like donkeys too. They can be weary of strangers. They can have troubles with farriers. Um, so, but once you make a connection with a mule, when I made that breakthrough with that mule, finally, it was once it happened, it was done. And then after that, I was cool beans. Like every time I show up, he'd make a beeline for me. Um, you know, so it's worth it to, to have those relationships with them. It, it's not the same as horses. I, I don't know why they're just, well, there's different genetics. They're extra cool. They're like yeah. unicorns. <laughs> they so, are kind so of magical. Are donkeys, are donkeys genetically considered domesticated? Yes. Yes. Okay. And so mules would then, of course, be committed, considered domesticated. Donkeys are considered um, domesticated. And somewhere I have the stats on how long it's been. But yes, and they, they came, they all come, they all, all their genetics originate from, from Africa. Right. But then there's because a bunch cats of are not domesticated yeah. genetically. Huh? Cats are not domesticated. Who? Cats. Cats if aren't? They're genetics. They're not. Oh, domesticated. really? Yeah. Cats. I love cats and they're kind that of like, doesn't surprise they're <laughs> little naughty, naughty little creatures. And you know, right. <laughs> but I love them so much. And they've been with us a long, long time, but genetically they're not domesticated. Oh yeah. I almost feel like the jokes on us. They're like, so we're going to 
come in and uh, kind of hook up with these people. They like they use they're us. investigating us. Staff. Okay, we have two. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. So so we've got uh, mules are hybrids. Donkeys are their own. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've forgotten what it's called, but anyway. And so tell us about their feet. What is different about a donkey's foot versus a horse foot? Okay, so donkeys have the same bones, same soft tissue, same like hoof mechanism. It's just put together a little bit differently. Um, let me see. So one of the things, one of the distinct differences is internally, the bones to the soft tissue ratio, the bones are smaller and they have more soft tissue than, than a horse. So in, in ratio in relation. So the P3 is a little smaller and what they have in the back is just this giant digital cushion with a big frog, takes up almost half of their foot. Whereas a horse, it's like a third. So when you flip over a donkey hoof and look at the solar surface, you're gonna see if it's healthy, you're gonna see a frog that's taking up half, half of the hoof. I want to, can I try a screen share? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Uh, um, and uh, Megan had a computer crash. So her PowerPoint presentation that she was hoping to show us uh, is somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> we were allow zoom. Oh, deep. Now it's co-host, right? So let's see. I don't know what's happening. My... If you, uh, are you on Zoom on the app or are you on Zoom on the browser? I don't know. Now it's saying, oh, all, shared all panelists. Because I, I made you a panelist. So you should be able to just go to the green button at the bottom of your screen. Click yeah, on the screen. Just saying open systems. Preference. Okay. So you got to go open system preferences. So it, it's. I probably shouldn't do it now, huh? No, then? you can do it now. And what might happen is you might have to leave and then you can come back, which is totally fine because we want to oh, see the pictures. You do? <laughs> yes. Oh God, now I'm nervous. Okay. okay well, let's take it easy. Not. Just go on over, follow what it says. Just system. But I'm clicking open preferences and it's not doing anything for me. How do I back out of full screen? Oh, go up to your ah, yeah. button in your upper left-hand corner. Yeah. And hit escape. Mm -hmm. Grab a corner of the screen and shrink it. Okay. Thank you, Wendy. Wendy's going to start a tech support group for equine people. I need to, you know, uh, uh, because 12 step, 12 step tech support group, right? <laughs> I think I okay. just, I don't know. I think I just did something real bad. No, you're still with me. So um, your screen, I... you can see your desktop, right? Yeah. Okay. Now go up to your Apple in the upper left-hand corner and click on system preferences. <laughs> right. I'm going with you so that I can figure out I've forgotten where the zoom because uh, it would take you straight there anybody that's listening if you know exactly where the zoom choice is let us know um, I think it's startup items isn't it yeah I'm looking at I oh boy it's okay I, I don't think I can do this right now uh hello um because this is a new mac computer too and i don't really know how to use it how about new macs oh, are same as the old macs well i never had one i just have an iphone oh see it's 
advanced sharing options, all panelists, there it goes. It's. So when, when you went to click on share screen, what did it say? It's sending me to the um, system preferences and I'm here, but I don't. Hey, which one did it send you to? Did it show you specifically? Is it sharing? Yeah, it's talking about privacy. Oh, okay, privacy, that's different. So I'm just gonna follow with you. I gotta find my privacy one. Um, it's asking about screen recording. That doesn't extensions. It's not under extensions. I gotta go back. Um, I'll put in privacy. Privacy settings. Coon, jump in. Who said that? Anna Newman said, Anna, I feel like I know you from Facebook. You probably do. Okay, so when you went to privacy settings. Oh, I think it just did it. it see? Okay, okay. Awesome. But now I lost everything that I had saved. Oh dear. No. It's, yeah, I gotta go to Facebook. There. What are you looking for? I'm gonna go to my Facebook group. Okay, here we go. We're going guys. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> there you go. Okay. But I had clicked on a bunch of links to show okay. you so that it's totally fine. Okay, thank you. Yeah. What oh, was it taking a long time? Okay, there it is. So this is my main group. And this is where I do so much of just everything as far as for social media. And what I wanted to show you, we'll go to media, because we're talking about donkey hoofs and why they're different. Right. Right. And um, let's see. There's going to be a bunch of stuff here. These are some of my people or just uh, folks that are, are uh, putting stuff in. Okay, here we go. We're going to, this is one of my online students. She has learned to trim her own donkey through my course and through Pete Ramey's DVDs. Look at this. This is a beautiful hoof, you guys. Gorgeous hoof. And you'll see if we were to measure here from the back of the heel bulbs to the toe, can you see that the apex of the frog here going across and all this is taking up half of the foot, right? Right. And then also notice that unlike a horse's hoof, we have this nice U shape. Um, their hooves are not round. Um, and what I was saying about the bones being smaller and there being more soft tissue underneath this big, beautiful frog is a really big giant digital cushion that takes up way more space. And like I said, P3 is, is smaller inside. Um, and also the frog sits farther back. Here we have the heel base, right? Or the right. heel butt buttress, um, usually is a more common term. Um, and you'll see that the, look at how far back the frog sits where normally a horse's frog would kind of end right about here. Yeah. And then we have the nice open Things. So that's one of the things that's different about them. The P3 or the coffin bone inside the donkey hoof capsule is more concave. The solar um, surface of the coffin bone is more concave. You'll see that donkeys tend to have a lot of nice concavity in, in their hoofs, which is really great. They're kind of referred to as like the mountain goats of the equines. This little tiny hoof that's in this U shape and and having so much digital cushion and soft tissue in the back really allows them, and the hoof is tinier, it's very nimble. They're incredibly sure-footed. 
Another thing that's different about a donkey's hoof versus a horse's hoof is from the heel buttress all the way around to the toe and back over to here, it's uniform thickness. The hoof wall is uniform in thickness where a horse's hoof tends to be a little thicker at the toe and then it gets a little thinner coming around to the back. So a horse's toe is gonna have a thicker hoof wall that kind of fades around. Whereas a donkey's is uniform all the way around. The other thing, is their hooves are very dense. They've studied and they know that a donkey's hoof has just as many horn tubules as a horse's hoof, but they're packed in tighter. So these are very dense and hard and thick little hooves. And these, uh, we, one of the things they do with them way out in the desert, because it's hard to get water, they dig holes for their water with their little feet. So that's another thing that's really cool about them. Let's take a look. I love this uh, oblique view here. You can uh, see the concavity from the apex of the frog coming out. Again, you can see how far back the frog and the uh, heel bulbs stick, stick out. Um, this is just a really beautiful foot. This is a student of mine. I just love this foot. Our heel is just a little bit above the... Um, the frog playing, oh, it's just a beautiful foot. She does a great job. <laughs> so what else? Did that donkey about? have an injury to that hoof at some point? Cause there's that line. <laughs> this line right here? Yeah. No, all donkeys have that. It's really weird. And I don't know what it is exactly. It comes in and kind of pinches and then goes out. So that's normal. That's normal on a donkey hoof. Yeah, totally normal. It's really cute too. And it, like, I don't know, uh, I, you know, I bet my colleague Ross Keller could probably answer that. He was, I feel like he had talked about that recently, um, what that little thing is there, but I don't know. Um, That's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's fun, huh? Yeah. Uh, and it's cool that you noticed it. Okay, so then I was first still talking about donkey hoofs. Here's a donkey hoof that I really love too. This was on a donkey. I work at a um, donkey sanctuary called Oscar's Place in Hoplin. And um, this donkey is down for castration and was take their new intakes and he's there. All the jacks were pretty wild. Um, so he was well, super well behaved here. You can see he's just taking a nap. <laughs> But that's a really beautiful hoof too. You see that nice big juicy frog. You see that nice hoof wall coming around. Um, trimming them down like this is always a great opportunity. Um, let's see. This here, this is a little hoof. This is a super common thing that I've found that donkeys experience and it's white line disease. Uh, this hoof needs a little work. This is not a hoof trim by me. This is um, someone in my group posting, but this is all white line disease. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, but for our audience, why don't you describe it a little bit? So white line disease is kind of a bacteria, fungus, and it can be a whole bunch of different kinds. And they're like literally having a party eaten up inside the hoof wall here and breaking down that space between the hoof wall and the lamina. And it's can be incredibly painful. Um, you can see here aesthetically, it's like gross. And um, it's just compromising the whole hoof here. And we believe that donkeys uh, struggle more with this because 
if they were in their native environment, they rarely are exposed to moisture. Um, their hooves are designed to be in the hot, hot, dry desert. And the little moisture that they get, they absorb into the hoof capsule and they move it around um, very strategically. And it, it creates like a happy place in their hoof when they're out in the desert. And then like where I live in the Pacific Northwest, we're like, hey, little desert dweller, why don't you live in the redwoods where it rains? you know, forever. And we just see the integrity of their hoof capsule can become really compromised. And there's ways to mitigate that. Um, but that is a really common hoof issue with donkeys. Good news is, is it can be managed. But I just thought that would be a good one for you yeah, to see. Yeah, that's interesting that that's more common for them. There's my friend, Pete Ramey. I love him so much. He was one of the first ones to put, um, He's the only one who has like a DVD on donkey hoof cares. He's a um, really important person in my donkey. Well, actually as a professional farrier that moved into the natural hoof care world, Pete is why. Um, let's see, what else have we got? What you wanna ask me some more questions about donkey hooves or? Yeah, well, I, you know, just seeing some different examples is really handy if you wanna just enlarge some of those pictures. Cause I, quite frankly, I have never picked up a donkey hoof to look at it. Right. Oh, okay. I'm usually well, I'm working with donkeys. If I'm picking up their foot, I'm going to put it on a sure foot pad, but I'm not going to sit there and study their foot. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, then I will. And then this is really fun. Oh, recently, I got the chance to finally do some continuing education for me. And I got to study with Steve Foxworth from um, Equine Lameness Prevention Organization out in Colorado. This is a zebra cadaver hoof, which is wow. so closely related to the donkey hoof so that was fun i just wanted you guys to see that so uh, is there, what is the similarity between a zebra hoof and a donkey hoof the whole the way it's all put together it's got that nice little tight u shape with the with the um the frog sticking out the back um they got the, the frog takes up a majority of their hoof capsule i haven't got to like dissect one or get inside of one, but um, really closely resembles the donkey hoof. Well, let me take you to, um, okay, let me move this out of my way. Okay. Okay. Here is a little donkey hoof that, um, it's a little blurry, but um, is it going big on the screen? I love this little hoof. This is a little donkey that's just barely a year old. And I'll tell you what, if I can get a hold of donkeys when they're babies, and trim them frequently, trim them correctly, coach the owners to build an environment and a diet that closely mimics the desert as possible. We are going to end up with beautiful little donkey hooves that are gonna be resilient and strong and healthy. Look at this, beautiful, nice concavity. This little frog, some of the little bits need to be trimmed off, but this is just a really beautiful, healthy, young donkey hoof. And so someone's asking if you can speak to the diet and its impact on the hoof. So many donks get yes. yeah, with those big fat pads and they think they're oh, thinking about the high sugars on lamina. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So first off, sometimes like sometimes people get mad at me. Like you're talking about right now about those fat pads on your donkey. I'm going to tell you everyone really bluntly right now. And this is not to attack anybody, not putting anybody down. And I'll start with the fact that I had an obese donkey for 10 years because I did not know. I only in the last three years did I finally connect 
with a veterinarian from UC Davis and the director of the Donkey Welfare Symposium. Um, his name is Dr. Eric Davis. Um, I met him, went down, saw a beautiful herd of healthy um, donkeys that were not obese. And I had to come home and I had to make some changes. So if a donkey is fat, they are sick, okay? It's not cute, it's not cute. It's not okay for them to be fat or obese. And by the time, and I'm talking just being a little bit chunky. You'll hear that a lot. Oh, my donkey's just a little chunky. You are on the verge of severe metabolic damage to them. It's a systemic issue throughout their whole body. It's not just in their feet. And um, if you have a fat donkey, you can, you can do things to fix it. Um, sometimes the damage is long lasting and can't be fully reversed, but that doesn't matter. You have to try. Um, so donkeys with fat pads, they're really, really sick. Um, those fat pads are actually adipose tissue and it's full of um, hormones that are harming their organs and their body, damaging the metabolic system. Um, so we will talk about diet. I just wanted to really note that donkey obesity is not something to take lightly and it's an epidemic. And well, what happens because I see it in horses as well is that when we only see fat donkeys, we think that donkeys are supposed to look like that. That's what happened to me. Yeah, we don't I, have an example of a, do you have yeah. a picture of a trim donkey? I do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and find it here. Um, and you know, that, that's what happened to me, Wendy. I was, I was trimming all these donkeys and I just thought, man, all these donkeys are fat. My donkey's fat, their hooves are terrible, but I'm just gonna do my best. I didn't know what I didn't know. Exactly. But when I did learn, like, oh man, I was so. So like that picture of those two donkeys, if we look at that, are we going to look at fat donkeys or thin donkeys? Yes, these guys are a little chunky right here. Um, and in fact, this was, this is a um, student of mine and she was reaching out to the group. And the one thing, even though it is super dangerous and we want to do something about it, when we do start talking with people about it, we have to be compassionate and try to help them solve the issues. Because sometimes like uh, Davaline here, she was very worried. She realized that her donkeys were kind of obese and she started thinking, oh my God, do I need to rehome them? Or what if I'm doing the wrong thing? And that's not where we want to go with this. We want to educate, but these guys are just, they're, they're, they're a little chunky and miniatures are harder even than standards to get to lose weight. Let me see if I can find. So are miniatures something that we've created? Yeah. Miniatures are from um, the Mediterranean, but as far as I understand their um, genetics are still originally from the Sudan desert. Well, we, we don't seem to be able to not fool around with breeding, right? And so um, you just have to look at dogs to see that we do that. So I was just curious if donkeys, miniature donkeys are something that we've kind of created through breeding rather than what they would normally be. Yeah, you know, I don't have the history on their breed. But they're genetically the same. Yes, yes. Okay, I'm so sorry. I'm having a hard time finding. That's all right. You got lots of cute pictures and interesting. Oh pictures. yeah. So this is this is my Facebook group, you guys, and I encourage anybody 
if you'd like to come be a part of it, donkey hoof trimming for donkey owners, but it's also for my colleagues. Um, well, can we look at that radiographs? That would, that would be really interesting. Ooh. Yes, but here's the deal. I am not super good at reading radiographs. It's just so. interesting because we can see that gigantic digital cushion. Yeah, look at that. You really can yeah, see that's it. What I, that's what I spotted. This guy is struggling. I mean, from what I see, we don't have the bony column in alignment. We've got a P3 that is got some damage down there um, on that distal surface. Um, I can't like remember what. Oh, is this Danny Park? Oh, Danny. Oh, Danny's so amazing. So she's a colleague of mine who got fired up about serving donkeys after following me. Um, she uses some of my techniques that I have. And techniques, I say that loosely, you know, it's just this way I do with donkeys that seems to work for other people. And so I believe this is her mammoth donkey client that she put Forma Hoof on. Are you familiar with Forma Hoof? Yep. Oh yeah. So she did an amazing, yeah, look at that one. Ooh. Right, but we still get to see this. They've got the same bones. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. They're going to have some of the similar problems that we see in horses is, you know, mm -hmm. broken plaster and angles and that sort of thing. But look at the deep digital, the thickness. And yeah. that was the thing to me that was so impressive. Yes. Isn't that neat? A horse yeah, right. and you don't see that. So that's what you're talking about in terms of the difference in the back of the mm -hmm. foot. Yes. Um, so let's go back to nutrition here for a minute. Yes, so, there's a, I had a little video I wanted you to see. And now how about I, if you go up and then click on your videos rather than your photos, you might find it. Okay. Thank you um, so much. No <laughs> what I you're do. being great. <laughs> oh, there we go. Video. Look at you. You're so smart. You're hired. Um, here we go. This is a fun little video. I'm gonna let you guys watch this. This is from my, uh, let me turn the sound down. Is it too loud? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, what that showed you, sorry, it was so loud. Uh, okay, how do I pause that? Oh my God. Thank you, Wendy. You're so good to me. Everybody. Oh my God. Now all the videos are going. Oh my God. What's happening? I'm not sure what you hit. I have no idea either. Okay, so you can just pause it. I'm trying to, that one's, oh, there we go. There okay, awesome. so barley straw and grass hay, and people say, oh my God, barley straw, that's for bedding, and it really is, unless you're a donkey, okay, or you're a mule, and this is coming from the Donkey Welfare Symposium. So when I went to the Donkey Welfare Symposium, I thought I was so cool. I'm the, well, I'm the Donkey Fair. I'm going to meet all these people. I have so much fun. And then that's where I got introduced to the fact that I had been allowing my donkey to be obese and sick for 10 years. And my heart dropped. I felt incredibly embarrassed. And then I had to like confess my sins to them and be like, you guys, my donkey's fat, like super fat. Like you guys would see him and you would tell me like, this is bad. And they were like, well, here's what you do to go fix it. And so I immediately took him off all pasture and I actually started a paddock track system, which you might be familiar with those, the mm -hmm. paddock paradises. Um, and then I started reducing hay and feeding him straw. Uh, barley straw is ideal. Uh, wheat straw is like sec second best. And um, 
it took almost, it took over a year for me to get him to drop weight, but he still has a big fat neck roll that will probably never go away. He's a lot better off than he is, but there has been some permanent damage to his hooves and things like that. But when we think about feeding a donkey, we want to try to mimic the desert. Okay. Like these guys are from the desert. What can you do in the desert? They have to walk a lot mm -hmm. to get food that is super low calorie and high in uh, fiber and low in protein. <clears throat> we know that. So that's where straw comes in. <clears throat> it's the forage that provides a lot of fiber and it can be low calorie. You don't have to feed it, but it can help you, especially if you're dealing with an obesity issue. But slow feeders are great. Getting them um, testing your grass hay, you want low protein, low sugar. Um, so another thing is feeding alfalfa isn't super desirable. It can be in some situations, but it has to be super thoughtful. And we'd rather use it like as a supplement versus you don't want to just be feeding your donkey straight alfalfa. The protein levels are way too high. Um, and then of course, one of the best things you can do is have all of your forage tested. So, but the basis would be low sugar grass hay um, barley straw or wheat straw mixed in. And then I love to feed either California Trace Plus, KIS Trace Minerals, Vermont Blend, or AZ Copper Complete are going to be some of the supplements that I'm going to recommend because those are low in iron um, and high in copper and zinc, which is really important. And that's important for horses too, low iron. Yeah, you're not you're not saying much different than what we really need to be doing with the horses, except maybe the straw versus yes. hay. Um, yes. And you know, it's really interesting because I've been. It's very difficult to find in this country, but in other countries, you can find chaff, which is basically chopped up stems of oat, wheat, and barley. Right? Oh yeah, that would be nice. But we don't seem to recognize chaff like in Australia. You get oat and chaff, wheat and chaff. Um, lucerne chaff which would be alfalfa chaff but it's basically chopped up and so um the one person i knew would feed his concentrate mixed in with the chaff the horse would get a five gallon bucket and he'd spend a long time eating a five gallon bucket so the grain was mixed in and he never got a bolus of grain okay um, so these were working horses so you know you're telling me a lot of similar things so i have a question do you see uh, ppid and ir in donkeys the same way you do in horses Yes, I'm pretty sure that I do. Um, although I haven't had a lot of clients who have ever tested for it or anything, but at the rescue that I'm working at now, Oscar's place, we've done some blood work on several donkeys and they're coming back with Cushing's. You know, donkeys suffer from Cushing's. Um, I think- and Isn't Cushing's really PPID because- Yes, yeah, and, okay. and this gets a little bit outside of my realm. By the time, if I have someone who has a sick donkey like that, then you know we're gonna get with the vet right away. Start talking about what we what we can do for that. But yes, they um, they do suffer from that, and it's all related around the the obesity. And if you know what I understand is sometimes when it's gone on too long, they end up having to be on Cushing's medication for the rest of their lives and things like that. And and where I really like to focus is I say, listen, if we can prevent this stuff from happening, that's where we really want to be is in the prevention place. But right. if you have a donkey that's sick, there are things that you can do to help them. 
But so ultimately, asking if magnesium and vitamin E are important the way they are in horses. They are, yes. And again, this I focus with my clients on um, the basics. In fact, I've been, if you know a super good nutritionist or equine nutritionist, I would love to have them come on as a ma- in a master class for my course because I kind of get the basic, we want that basic donkey diet. And then we can tweak it, especially with hay testing, things like that, mineral testing. I offer those basic hoof supplements because they tend to work across the board, but you can even get more specific and test all your levels and then add the exact amount of magnesium that you need, things like that. Well, we've had Nick, I've had Nick Barker on for a couple of webinars and she, okay, yeah. So, um, you know, we've had some people talk about that. I'm always looking for more guests and I will keep looking for that, but it, you know, what, what I'm hearing is that yes, they are different and yet they are the same because there are a single stomach animal with a cecum where they got to process their food. And so their, you know, their whole, uh, metabolic and hormonal system works the same as ours as theirs. And I mean, we have the same thing in people, right? Because we're versus cows, which are, they're different. Cows are just different. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but the whole idea of, can you show us a picture of a not fat donkey? Yeah, that's what I'm, tr- it's so hard. I'm like, where, who do I have on here that doesn't have, or even a trimmer donkey, you know, as opposed to, yeah. because I, I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of, um, most of the donkeys I see, they have the gigantic fat pads over their, um, yeah. uh, their sides. It's actually kind of like they're carrying yeah. saddlebags. Who's this? I don't know. Thelma this is and... Thelma and Louise. Okay. <laughs> this is Two little minis. Two more in the back. These guys this look pretty good. Yeah, can you drop the sound a little bit? Just on that turn it down. The sound. There you Sorry. Go. That's okay. There. It's just a little loud. He's a student. Um, now, this one's a little chunkier. Just a little bit. Um, but Thelma, back here. Do you see how smooth her neck is she's just a, maybe a tiny bit chunky but um you and can the one see, in the back want the to see the angularness of a yeah. donkey let's see if i can find another one so i think what you're um, describing to me is that there shouldn't be lumpies oh right that this that this that the oh why do i hear a, something in the background I don't know there's always... um, yeah i'm sorry next time we get together i'll definitely have some okay, better pictures crash. We're just happier because um, <laughs> the majority of the ones that i uh maybe in your photos you have some donkey pictures. welfare symposium might have oh. some but yeah sorry i'm having a hard That's time okay. finding um so so if oh, i Rocco, actually here Rocco looks pretty good this is the blm donkey that i babysit um and this is my friend she's doing but see this is a video um I don't know. It's okay. No big deal. Why don't we unshare your screen? I'm sorry, Wendy. I don't have that right at the tip of my fingers. It's okay. Oh, maybe these good as that video though. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. These guys look good. Okay. Can you see? Let's see if she gets to their (laughs) body here. Yeah. I don't know. It's. Okay. Be more prepared. There we go. Oh, no, yeah. she's not showing. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, the beginning, What's next? 
Can I, I can't hear you. I said right at the beginning, we can see that. You can actually drop the sound out on each individual video if you just go to where the little sound is and drop it okay. off. Thank you. Okay. Yep, no problem. <laughs> so just go ahead and unshare your screen. Okay, thank because you. Because what I already know is we really need to have you come back. Oh, yeah. And I will be, I will have something really good put together and then we can email, uh, you know, and you can tell me exactly what you want in there. Cause well, I do have pictures. You know, it, but what you bring up is such a good point that we're so used to seeing fat donkeys that I, I you know, I'm trying to think of any donkey that I've seen that's not fat. And I I'm struggling to imagine that because um, those saddlebags are so typical on donkeys. And of course, oh, yeah. they've got that. They have the same issues that we see in horses. Um, you know, I'm thinking of like your, especially your Iberian breeds. It's really easy to see those same kind of saddlebags that you see on the donkeys. Um, and so basically what you're telling me is that that is not normal and that we need to, if we see that, we need to do something about it. Yes. And it's, it's hard, um, it can be hard to get them to lose the weight. So the other thing that you have to remember if you're a donkey owner and like, say you're realizing right now, maybe your donkey's fat, like I can, I know what it feels like. I was super embarrassed and just thinking like, oh my God, I've been letting my donkey down for a decade, but I just didn't know what I didn't know. But right. once, once you get on the path, it takes a little while. Your donkey's not going to lose weight overnight. And in fact, a note that I need to put in here about losing weight for donkeys, you do not want your donkey to rapidly lose weight. They can suffer from hyperlipidemia. And that's where the body starts blowing fat through the, I'm not a doctor. Okay. So here we go. Just that's my disclaimer. But from what I understand of hyperlipidemia, if they begin to lose weight too fast or become too stressed, and get put on a diet, their body will start blowing the fat into their bloodstream and it will shut down their internal organs. And it's, it's, it's like 80% mortality rate with it. So you wanna work wow. with a veterinarian or a professional when you come to realize that your donkey's fat. But here's the other thing, because of that, this is another indicator of just how dangerous obesity is for them because once they're so obese then when we try to get them to lose weight we could kill them if we don't do it right so you know there's a few faucets to this let's see some someone said the ecir website, our website. so so see, yeah okay and those are the things is there a, a um an okay like if is it safe to say they should lose two pounds per week or two pounds per month, or what's sort of a gradual, how much should they lose over a period of, of a week or a month to be safe? I don't know. I okay. don't know. Homework assignment before our next webinar. Yeah. Okay. Cause I usually end up forwarding people to like Dr. Davis or to the donkey welfare symposium or like, here we go. The ECIR horse.com. Uh, Kim is saying, Kim, I know Kim. Um, the ECIR website. So she's saying that there's an emergency diet for weight loss in, in, oh yes, it's Kim. Hi, Kim. <laughs> so just, um, she, Kim is a student of mine. Thank you. Um, so she's got that hookup right there. So we actually need to put that in the group and in, in, in my group, Kim. Well, and that's the thing is I think, you know, the take home message here is for me 
is that donkey's feet are really different than horses in that they have a much bigger distal cushion and a lot bigger frog. So their percentage of foot is different than horses. It's yeah. more cupped. And what I found so interesting was the thickness of the hoof wall. You showed some trim and the thickness of the hoof wall is the same all the way around, which is like totally different than horses. Yeah, um, it's uniform. But that, you know, we, just like horses, we need to be responsible for the health of our animals by making sure we don't allow obesity. And whether that's a horse, a person or a donkey, and believe me, I, I'm a, a, um, a easy keeper. Sometimes <laughs> I wish I had someone doling out my diet. Right, right, right. I could use a slow feeder, it would work. It would yeah. You know, because this is a common theme in all the webinars I've done. And actually what I did was through these webinars, I implemented a, a track system in my paddock, just using pigtails and a little bit of electric fence. And it made such a difference to my horses that are, I have had two that were PPID um, and one that's not, but they all got the same and got slow feeder bags and everything. And it's really made such a difference. So, you know, I keep hearing these themes and it's the same thing for your donkeys and your mules that it's not, you're killing them with kindness if you, yeah. if you allow them to be in that position. But like so many of us, if we, we just, as you said, we think that that's normal because that's all we've ever seen because they're not being fed the way they would be if they were in their native environment, which of course, even horses are supposed to move more and eat much lower value foods, yeah. right? Yeah. And so in so many ways, we have similarities and we have differences. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that it's um, so fascinating for me. And the, and the part, you know, what I love is to hear how you, in your own journey, have found that you have to offer choice and work with and not against. Well, that and that's the magic. I tell my colleagues, I'm like, like, let, <clears throat> let go of like, whatever you think you want to do in that session with that donkey and a lot of what I teach the owners to is let go stop holding on to the rope so tight we're not going to make them do anything you know so, so I have, I have a you. on that okay because huh? a lot of these guys are little yeah and so if you're a taller person that's a lot of back strain on you to be able to work on them what what is your solution there oh I crawl around on my hands and knees most of the time. And I just fill, fill my pockets up with treats. And uh, I get down on their level with the little ones. I'm almost always like crawling around on my knees with the little mini donkey. And then I just, once I've got them, you know, in my pocket, then they're just standing there and, and they're willingly picking up their feet. And I, I hold them on my knee. I just rest a hoof on my knee. I rest a hind hoof on my knee. Uh, that's usually usually how I work with them. But you're correct. Um, a lot of times owners might go, oh, isn't it cheaper? Because he's just a little guy. And I'm like, you see me down here? You see me down here? <laughs> like my back, <laughs> I'm breaking. You know, I love the work, but and then I tell them here, you come down here, check it out, try it. And then, you know, they'll start trying to trim a hoof and then they'll be like, oh, I see now. Because <laughs> yeah, so I often wondered, what if you had like a handicap ramp that you could walk them up on so you could work oh. with them without having to bend over? Like, you know, you could put 
your trailer behind you? Because I mean, it's like when well, no, like a goat, like stanchions for a goat. No, I, I I think there's a guy somewhere that actually does walk miniatures up onto a platform. But speaking of handicap, I just wanted to mention something. I have a student who took my course last year, and she's trimming her own donkeys, and she's a riot. I love her. Her name's Gina. She's only got one leg she was injured uh, she was a firefighter and lost her leg in a very bad accident and she is in her barn with the cement floor and she wheels around on a little computer chair and slides around with one leg and trims all of her donkeys now it's so cool so there's all kinds of creative ways i know people that sit on little stools especially owner trimmers um and, you know, and a lot of people have taken my online course that are owner trimmers because they struggle to find a farrier that's willing to even work on donkeys. I think that's the, so the driving force behind so much of what's happening now is uh, I trim my own horses because somebody put a nail through his foot and thank God yeah. he didn't abscess, you know. But um, so how do they need to be trimmed with the same frequency of horses? Yeah, actually, I would say that a donkey should be in that pocket of like six to 10 weeks, majority of my clients. Now, if you happen to live in an area that really mimics the desert, like some of my Arizona clients, some of my, not clients, sorry, students, uh, Arizona, Colorado, and you've got a setup where your donkeys are getting a lot of movement because just like horses, um, we need these guys to move, move for exercise and move for hoof health and also to move for their psyche, for their for their overall well-being they were born to move um so sometimes these folks if you've got a nice trim on your donkey their hooves aren't having major problems and you have an environment where you're getting them to move a lot you may find that you don't have to trim as often if they're self-trimming and that's just you know you got to look at the feet and know what you're seeing although i do see that sometimes people will not be on a short enough trimming cycle and that'll be why they're struggling with white line disease because the diet and the environment and the movement plays a huge role, but the trimming or lack of trimming is another major component to whether you're going to be able to solve common hoof issues or prevent them. Um, and sometimes people just don't know their donkey's hooves are long or they have a professional that they're working with that's saying they're fine, but they're really not. And so I have to I try to help people discern and be able to see that. Great. Well, this has been fascinating, Megan. I've really enjoyed this and I so enjoyed meeting you. It's, you know, that's the thing. It's, it's so much fun to, to meet new people. And in the beginning, it was all people I knew, but now I'm expanding out to people I don't know yeah. met before, but to find like-minded people on the same path, wanting the same thing for their, for their animals. It's, it's such a pleasure to have you join me today. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you very much. And thank you for your patience with me with the tech. And, um, no worries. Um, and so we have to have you back with the, so we can have your slideshow and see more about foots and see some healthy donkeys so that we know. Yes. What yeah. I'll going. make sure to get a nice little gal. I'll put something special together. That'll be great. That'd be I think it's better that I didn't share the thing that I had before anyway, <laughs> because now I've got a better idea of what you what you'd like. And awesome. So. Yep. Well, and thank you, everybody. Uh, I was looking at the comments. Thank yep. you, guys. So we'll have to introduce Megan to Surefoot because she's right. She, you're right in there. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. I'd love to. So maybe on the next one, too, you can share that one video yeah. with my audience. And I'll make sure to get this 
out to the email list and stuff. So, and awesome. if anybody wants to visit my website, holistichooves.com or come over to my Facebook group, if you'd like, I'd love to have you there. Great. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. And just remember, you can find this in all the other webinars on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. Tell your friends about the webinars and that we have them the podcast on Wendy's Winnie's on iTunes. And tomorrow we'll be talking to Sarah Hunt and we'll talk about tips and tricks for boot fitting. So join us tomorrow and we'll see you at one o'clock East Coast time. Thank you so much, Megan. It's been a pleasure and have a fabulous day. You too. Bye guys.